Welcome to another episode of the Command Team Corner, where today we're sitting down with Brigadier General Steve Marks, Deputy Commanding General of the First Special Forces Command, to talk about engaged leadership. So, sir, uh, you know, we're honored to sit down with you this afternoon to talk about an important topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. So we appreciate your time today. No, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. And it is an important topic. Leadership is, is everything that we do. It's the foundation for every organization. So I'm glad to be able to talk a little bit about not just what leadership is, but also some examples and provide some examples of what I've seen throughout my career. You know, we've heard the term engaged leadership quite a bit recently, sir. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to be an engaged leader? Dan, I'm hearing engaged leadership, but I've also heard it as being intrusive leadership. And I think that being an engaged leader and what it means to me is that you take your responsibility as being a leader to heart, that everyone that you come in contact with, you should be having a conversation with. You should be having a conversation with that soldier, or with that person. You've got to figure out and you've got to find time when you can have that conversation. You know, I've talked about in the past that my definition of leadership is the stewardship of the lives entrusted to you. And really that requires you to own every part of being a leader. You just can't stand up in front of a formation. You've got to really have those conversations with each and every one of your soldiers. And it's difficult and it's hard and it's exhausting. To be able to sit down and have a conversation will take a lot of time and expends a lot of emotional energy. And so for me, being an engaged leader is really carving out through eight to 10 hours a day, carving out at least an hour to talk to somebody who's in your formation, to dig a little bit deeper than just, hey, who are you and what are you about? Or tell me a little bit about yourself. It's more about having a conversation of what's important to that person, what's important in their lives, what are their goals or their aspirations? That's what I mean by engaged leadership. And in some cases, you may have to get intrusive because you may come across something, a little bit of information that may be one you can either help them with, a goal that they've mentioned, or it may be something that triggers your spidey senses and say, maybe this person, it might be crying out for some help or may need some help, or maybe I need to spend a little bit more time with this soldier. Something I've kind of thought about, you know, previously is coming up through the ranks and leading soldiers is... I kind of see leadership as a form of love. I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on if you thought about it that way. It's kind of like your child, your son or your daughter comes up and, they, and they, they're struggling with tying their shoes at the age of three or four or five years old. And if they're struggling with it, what are you going to do as a parent? You're going to help them. You're going to help them. You're going to teach them. You're going to sit down, take time with something as simple, and at the time it's not simple, tying your shoes when you're three or four years old, but you're going to sit down and you're going to instruct them or you're going to teach them. And you're not going, if they can't get it right off the first or second time, you're not going to sit there and, and say you're a failure, right? You're going to continue to nurture them. You're going to continue to, to teach them. You're going to continue to, to care for them. It's the same thing as the relationship between leaders and soldiers, or, or really across the, all the formations, it's not the relationship between leaders and soldiers. It's really just as a leader, you should have that same type of compassion for your soldiers, that you do care about them, that you will put your arm around them and, and cheer them on and encourage them, because that's important. If they stumble or if they fail or if they're having difficulties in their life, it's up to you to, one, inquire, you know, how's everything going? I've noticed that your performance recently has not been to the level it has been in the past, and I've noticed that, so I just want to make sure everything's okay at home. How are you doing? You know, the most important time, I think, for any soldier 
is the first formation. It used to be when I was in the 82nd, it was the 630 formation. The first sergeant stands out there and tells you kind of what lies ahead of you for the next 24 or next 12 hours. Um, you get to see a lot at 630 in the morning and having that kind of that leader that stands up and really gets an asthma check for, with each one of his soldiers or his, her soldiers is important. All I'm asking is, is that we as leaders do the same thing with soldiers in our formations here at First Special Forces Command. Sir, so now that we kind of see, you know, what you mean by engaged leadership and how it's really having, you know, the deeper type of conversations with our folks, taking ownership, and it's, as you said, stewarding the lives of those entrusted to us. Can you give us any more concrete or real-world examples of engaged leadership in action? You served under some truly outstanding leaders. What were some of the tangible things that they did as engaged leaders that you saw? So I've talked about it in the past. General McChrystal and Admiral McRaven were very personable, and they took time, usually about an hour to hour and a half, with some folks in the formation to have a conversation about if you were king for a day or queen for a day, what would you change in this organization? What would you, what things do we need to change? You know, Admiral McRaven would know you and know your spouse's name and your children's name and, and really where you went to college and what your hobbies were and, and uh, where you originate, where you were raised and where you went off to college and kind of knew a little bit below just the normal surface level information about uh, those that were in his formation. But what I saw with someone like General Miller was he would have a conversation and it was a conversation that was solely focused on you and about what are your dreams, what are your aspirations. And then what I got to watch is how he communicated. When we were over in Afghanistan and he was the commander of Resolute Support Mission, he's still the commander of Resolute Support Mission after 28, 29 months. But one of the things was, how do you communicate to a large formation? You know, at the time, Resolute Support, back in 18, when he took over in September of 18, U.S. was around 15,000. With coalition and NATO partners, around 25, 27,000 total. So how do you communicate? There's a couple of things that he would do. The first one was he used his ONIs three times a week as a venue to communicate his intent. Those operations intelligence updates were used as tools to message larger formations. And the more the merrier, the, the greater the number of folks that were dialed into the VTC was better. For General Miller, it was all about communicating to as many people as possible what his vision was, what his intent was. And then the other tool that he would use is the daily sit rep. The sit rep would come be compiled at night and then around seven o'clock in the morning, it'd be sent to General Miller. And then he would, over a cup of coffee, sit down and look at the sit rep for the last 24 hours from each one of the regional commands. And so he would go in through there and read each sit rep from each one of those commands. It was all compressed into one major sit rep. He would use it also as a tool to message. Not only message those that were in the commands that were below RS, so they're out there in either the west or north or in the south, and also in the East, but he would also use it as a, a way to message his seniors back in D.C. in the Beltway, those folks that sat inside the Pentagon. So on the two line, you would see someone like the chairman of Joint Chiefs, or you would see the Secretary of Defense, and you know, you'd see the SOCOM commander on there, you'd see the CENTCOM commander. And, and so the first two paragraphs of that sit rep every single day, and it was seven days a week, he would use that as a way to message them, but also message not only up, but also down. 
And then when he would go through each one of the regional sit reps, he would ask either key questions or because of his experience in Afghanistan and, and the number of years that he's been there and the relationships that he has, he would also use as a way to mentor or coach those subordinate commanders. So I thought that was really good. And then the last thing that he used using technology to his advantage was a smartphone. Even the Afghans all have, even out on the checkpoints in Afghanistan, he would use the WhatsApp platform to communicate both up, down, laterally to everyone in Afghanistan. And what started out was very small for him. He started a chat room and I think we only had maybe 20 people, 20 folks in the chat turned into a crisis response group, turned into a need to know group, turned into, and when COVID came out, and started picking up more and more steam. Uh, he, in March of 2020, mid-March of 2020, started a, uh, a COVID chat in WhatsApp. And he only asked for all medical professionals to be involved in that chat. And, you know, there was something like 75 or 80 different participants. And it was run by an administrator, usually in a situational awareness room, the SAR by an 06, the director of the SAR, and they would manage it. But it was really just a conversation that took place. And it was the four-star a couple, maybe a three-star or two-star, and, and really the medical professionals. And it was just to flatten the communication process so that everybody knew what was taking place. That was unbelievable to see. Those chat rooms can have up to 200, I believe, 260 or 280 participants that can be in a, in a room. And they have it for everything. I mean, a need to know, they have it for crisis response, and it's all the way down now to the lowest level out on a checkpoint. So the Afghans actually copied the same thing, and we see ministers of defense, ministers of interior, we see the, uh, the Afghan staff all on the chats, and they're communicating down to their subordinates. Again, a great tool, but a way to make communication seamless. In a lot of ways, it was simultaneous to the act that just took place. If it was a crisis, it was something that we knew immediately. I looked on WhatsApp on a need to know, and I've already saw General Miller respond several times to a, uh, a crisis that took place just to make sure that across the command, a large command that everybody knew and had the five W's and they were made situationally aware. I see it as a huge way to build trust in knowing that my leader is, uh, is taking the best information that he can get and then could act on it. You know, is, Because I, I think a lot of times from my perspective, leaders aren't always the, the experts on everything in the room, right? They, they have to know a lot of things, but not everything about you know, certain subjects. And so getting that, those subject matter experts to chime in and then get heard, and then maybe their information acted on, I think that's a huge way to build trust in a command. And it also goes back to General Miller was, is big on building cultures. And, and when you try to build an inclusive culture where everyone matters and they know that they matter, that is important. And a great tool like WhatsApp or Signal allows you to give the voice to the in a lot of cases, to the ones that are often left out of the conversation. There is also responsibilities for those that put their messages on there that there's got to be a level of, of professionalism and maturity. You've got to follow the format. You want to be professional in, your, in, in the information that you're providing because it does get blasted out immediately to a large audience of senior officials. But I thought it was a great way. I mean, when you have a large organization, how do you communicate? That's just a couple techniques. The O&Is, the uh, sit rep, the daily sit rep, in the case of Afghanistan, the RS daily, and then using technology to your advantage. 
with the WhatsApp or the Signal, and, and every country has that capability. What I thought was interesting is just how quickly I will see a 5W pop up from a regional cop, from a, a checkpoint, or a regional targeting team that just came across information, and within three minutes, everybody knows that it just happened or it's taking place. That's important, and also you can attach pictures in there. So oftentimes you will see where they've just grabbed a map and you can see exactly what has occurred. If it was an indirect fire or magnetic IED just went off in Kabul, you will have that situational awareness, and that's critical. And that's all we're trying to do. It's, and that's how you become an engaged leader. You use technology to your advantage. We use podcasts now here in this command. We use the indigenous approach to message throughout our 23,000. Sometimes we use Twitter, definitely involved with Twitter, to get tweets out to the command. Um, that's important because everybody wants to feel as if they're a part of something greater than themselves. And I think these are just platforms or tools to do that. And just another quick plug for the commander's blog. You, know, you could submit a comment straight that the CG will see the same day. I think it's a pretty neat way to communicate, and I think it kind of gets after your flat comms. Yeah, the blog is great. The one thing I like about the blog and really enjoy about Major General Brennan is, one, you can really communicate to the commanding general of a large organization and, and get, in a lot of cases, within 24 hours, feedback from the commanding general. That is, I mean, and it's real time. I mean, in a lot of cases, I'll walk down the office, down to his office, and by the time I get down there, he's already providing a response to something that's just come across the blog. And, and that's what he was, that's why he wanted that tool. That's why he wanted the blog is to have the ability to communicate to, you know, private who's sitting down in whatever CSU in whatever group and, that has a concern or has identified something or came across something or has a concern or, or a good idea. That's what the blog was meant for. It, and when you're trying to create that culture of inclusiveness, you've got to figure out and you've got to discover in a lot of ways, how do we communicate with our people? Everybody communicates differently. And so if this is a way to find out what's going on in our formations, then at Echelon, then that's what we should be doing as a command. So I applaud the efforts of all that, that put together the Twitter, that put together the blog, that managed the blog the energy of the commanding general to respond to each and every one of those questions that come up. No, that's great, sir. I really appreciate the level of detail that we were able to kind of get after today with engaged leadership and, and some of the stories that you provided and, you know, some of the, the techniques, the TTPs that leaders who want to be more engaged can use. And what we heard today with a lot of that is really about communication and that conversation between leaders and subordinates and vice versa. So we appreciate you sitting down with us today. Sir, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add? I would just say that everyone should take the responsibility of leadership to heart. When I talk about leadership as the stewardship of the lives entrusted you, take that responsibility serious. And I think we do. It's just you may have to go an extra step. It may require you to send a text or it may require you to make a phone call or to send an email, to check on your buddy, to have sometimes a very difficult conversation if you've identified that there is an issue or a challenge that a soldier is facing to offer yourself up, to share yourself, to offer a hand in any way possible and make this organization better is what I'd like to say. Everybody does it and, and we just gotta continue to do what we're doing. This has been another episode of the Command Team Corner. If you have topics you would like to see addressed by our command team, Submit them on the Commander's Blog, located on the first SFC portal page, 
or send us a DM on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.